Hey everyone! Thanks for joining the next episode of The Single Thread. We hope you've been enjoying the series so far. Before we introduce our next speaker, we wanted to note that we will be discussing topics such as mental health, depression, and anxiety during this podcast. If you feel like any of this may be triggering, please take caution before listening. Last note, we recorded this session about a month ago, so some of the parts of the conversation may seem less recent. With that, I'm excited to introduce our next speaker, Randy Stein, who is an MBA LGO 2020. Thanks, Randy, for joining. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm a second-year LGO in uh, the chemical engineering department. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, but before Sloan, I lived in Houston for five years, and it kind of became a second home for me, so shout out to both of those cities. Uh, Somewhat of a fun fact, some people around Sloan may know me as Rusty. Uh, The background behind that story is when I was a co-op working for Valspar, one of the operators just wouldn't call me by my name and kept calling me that, and I was like, you know, whatever, just call me whatever you want. And uh, I told that story to another second year, Dante, on our way up to Houston. And I guess he misheard me and like just thought that that's what people called me in Houston. So then he started calling me that. Then I think some Atlantics uh, thought it was a drunk name, but there you have the story behind the nickname, I guess. So just kind of a little quirk. And I was happy, happy for people to, you know, incorporated my life here. So we've been working to put together a virtual version of Convocation, and Randy was one of the nominated speakers, so I got a chance to meet him virtually, I want to say just last week or the week before. just last Um, week. Yeah, and just goes to show how many people there are at the school that you don't get to meet if not for these random occurrences. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with what I did last time as well, because Randy was also in my ocean, so I'm sure we met on day number one, but want to call out a favorite day in OP when we were doing a simulation. Okay. And he took one of the characters, made Chambers, Shambay, and it stuck with, with the Atlantic Ocean ever since. So that that was one of the very first memorable Randy moments. And what was our professor's name? Uh, Kate Kellogg. Kate Kellogg, yeah. And she was like, oh, Chambers. I was like, no, it's Sean Bay. It was effective. <laughs> it, got a, it got us through that class that day. Yeah, so. Oh, the glory days of OP. Yeah. Well, to kick this off, we'd love to learn a little bit more about kind of what brought you into our virtual studio today and got you interested in the podcast. I always wanted to share a story in the yarn, but... Um, for me, like a just like a soliloquy or a long speech is I, I don't feel like I would capture all the emotion or things I needed to say. So um, I really wanted to do one. And for me, uh, it it is surrounds mental health, uh, specifically, you know, how I dealt with that at Sloan. Um, I um, diagnosed bipolar depression, but we can get into that. It's like not, I mean, every, every psychiatrist has like a different diagnosis for you. So, um, you stop like trying to label it and more just try to like control the symptoms or your mood. Um, and then how that plays in just with Sloan and the workload. But, 
I, uh, that's kind of like what I wanted to talk about. Um, before we get into the questions, there was just like a few things I wanted to share with people. I'm doing this mainly because I want to raise awareness and I want to help people. I think that if I can reach one person and get them to make the choices they need to make to help themselves, um, that's amazing. And I understand I'm not naive. Like I, I understand this is recording and people might take parts of it and use it for however they want to or judge me. And I, I've thought about that a lot in the last few days. And all I can say is, look, I, I'm just trying to um, open the conversation. I think that's what Sloan teaches us to do. I think that's what LGO teaches us to do. So, you know, maybe just go along with that. Um, I can be a little bit dramatic, but that's all right. Cause we're all bored and hopefully it's a little bit entertaining. <laughs> um, and then I think most of all, for the people that do know me, uh, for the things that you hear, these are already things that I've experienced. So, you know, don't, I don't want you to treat me any differently or like, you know, th this is just like what I, this is like my life. Right. And this is what I deal with. And this is how I navigated through all of that. There's nothing different you need to do. Like I'm not helpless. I need to control my business. Yeah. Thanks, Thank Randy. You. Well, to dive a little bit further into how we found ourselves here, could you tell us a little bit more about what led you to Sloan? What led you to consider the LGO program on top of that? Because I'm sure that most of the listeners will be aware, but the LGO program is quite intense compared to the typical MBA mm -hmm. program at Sloan. Um, and the more I learn about it, the more impressed I am of my classmates who choose to pursue that program. So we'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I, so I've always had like my eyes on going back to school. Um, I took the GRE like in my last year pit. I don't really know why. Like sometimes I just do these things without a <laughs> really a plan. And so then I went to Houston and um, I have these like on the notepad on, on, uh, on your iPhone, right. Of like things to do. And like right now, like I, it's so stupid. Like I have like Ameritrade case redo from like first year of finance, just cause like, I want to understand that, that stuff. So like apply to this program was like, just like sitting in the back of my mind for like three years. Cause I thought the, I thought the dual degree aspect of it um, would be really cool, like the business and and engineering. But to be honest, like I enjoyed uh, for the three and four years that I was after school, like I enjoyed my job. Um, I enjoyed like I was in a relationship. And so I never really felt like a, any sort of push to go back. Um, and then, um, at the end of 2015, um, that relationship ended and it, it kind of sent me into a, a really a stage of my life where, um, I was unsure and still am unsure of a lot of things. And I ended up, I, I was just, uh, 
working in Houston, I, I did love my job. I really did. And and people that know me know that. But I think that I was probably standing still, you know, both in my personal life and in my professional life in, in terms of like I, I was probably wasting, you know, a lot of potential and getting into a lot of bad habits. So I was finally like, okay, I have this like list. I'm going to like sit down and I'm going to apply. And I think it was just like, it was the ultimate procrastination because the day after I submitted my application, my GRE scores expired and I only applied to LGO. Um, so it was like all of this. And, and for me, a lot of stuff is like that. I, um, get these like bursts of like and th this is where the diagnosis is a little bit different i don't want to call it hypomania because my we kind of think and i say we i said me and my psychiatrist think like oh no this is just like when you're not depressed like and you're normal and then you're able like get so much stuff done right but it's hard to it's hard to tell um and i just like submitted this whole application and I, I really didn't think that I was going to get in. Um, but then I got the call, obviously, and here I am. Um, I miss Houston. I miss my friends there. But again, I think that sometimes you have to move forward. Um, another part of it, there was someone I really liked there and um, it was good for me to just not be there anymore. That kind of stuff. I know some people deal with it. Um, great. Like my first ex is like, Oh, I just like, don't just don't just forget it. Like, don't think about it anymore. Like I, I that never like remember way too much, um, vividly. And, um, it was just good. It was, it was just good to go to another place in my life. And, I also like wanted to impact like big social change at the time. So MIT felt like the logical place to do that. So that's pretty crazy to think about that, you know, you applied to the one school and you've ended up there, which is actually a really nice lead into the next question, which is as you've spent time at Sloan, has your sense of purpose for why you're here and what you're doing changed over the 1.8 years we've been here? Yeah, I think I think I realized that even though I might have like these big goals, right? I really need to focus on what I can do locally to like help people. So whether it's the next community that I'm in, or um, even just like my friend groups and keeping people. So one of the things I started doing the last year is like keeping people aware of certain political issues or reminding them to vote, doing small things like that, I think is important. I would love to be part of a campaign or have the connections to um, affect some big social change. But if you can't do that, you should at least do the, take the effort to like try to make things better. Um, and that's part of why I'm doing this, because I think that the more people speak out, it, the more that, you know, you have it. It's kind of like 
coronavirus, you have it spread, right? You do like one or two, four people, and then they spread. Um, and I, I believe in that. I think that, so the biggest change is I was, before I was probably like this person that wanted to change the world and I still do, but I acknowledge that some people just, they, they commit their lives to that. And that's a big, that's a big commitment and it's okay to, to do it locally. And we need that too. Um, we need people to get involved in the community. That's probably the biggest change in my mind. Has there been something that you've been doing? I know you mentioned wanting to campaign, but something that um, you're really excited about during the last few years that you've been working on or that you're going to be doing in the near future that um, is helping you work towards that goal of social change? I wish I, um, so I did a, a class with um, a few people last semester um, and we had this platform called Athena's Corner. And I, right now, nothing's happening with it because a, a lot of reasons. It's hard to to get the ball rolling on a new thing. But basically, the idea was to have a platform for women at, at, at MIT, not just Sloan, to talk about issues in an open forum. Um, and then the idea was to connect MIT to other schools in the area, so like BC and BU and Harvard, uh, so that if there was a, I think the biggest thing that if there's some injustice that goes on, the reason that no action gets taken is because it's easy to kind of like go to the next media cycle. Right. So like if there's not a, and, and, and what I think you could happen if you organized all of these schools, we have such a resource there, um, you could have a walkout, right, in all of Boston. And that that's the sort of thing that could make national news. I mean, that's not the thing that you just, like, shovel aside. And I, I really believed in that idea, but it's a semester class, and I have my stuff to, to deal with, but I, I still believed in like continuing that and trying to like get with the administration on. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest, like I haven't, I probably haven't done enough and they probably don't even know it exists. I mean, the administration, I, I think it's a great idea more broadly. Uh, we'll see how Corona plays out, but I was considering canvassing, but I, who knows? So, um, I've just, I've been trying to get as many people as I know in a tactful way to vote, to, to pay, and not just vote, to pay attention to issues and why it's important. So I suppose in an ideal world, had I fallen into the right situation with similar-minded people, I would have liked to work on or develop some platform that drives people to vote. And I know it's not a new idea because so many people are working on this issue, but it certainly is a challenging problem, and it definitely hasn't been solved yet uh, here in the U.S. I think you and I both have had student government experience here, and for me, it was the first time I've ever done student government-oriented stuff ever. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is a school of MBAs and People are going to be really action-driven. We're going to get stuff done. It's going to be yeses left and right. And even the smallest of changes 
can be so difficult and it almost pushes you towards apathy because that's the easier route of the two sometimes. Um, So totally agree that it's so difficult to try and create that long-term change that you seek. Um, And even being engaged in a local small way that at the end of the day takes time and commitment. And I think kind of the value of that is core to what I've learned from my time on Senate for whatever I might have done or not done. Um, but it certainly made me realize that value. It and did, so I'd didn't it to, fly by? It fl- flew by so yeah, quickly. Yeah, it by so quick. I remember I'd gone up to like the two second years who were heading the committee that I ended up being on. Um, and we talked about all these ideas and we're like, yes, we're going to do that. We're going to have workout classes for everyone, whenever they want, whatever kind they want. <laughs> none, none of that really happened. Um, and all these other initiatives, we got a lot of big stuff done as a bigger group. So I'm proud of that. But I think there are a lot of smaller things that we thought would be easier to implement, um, but didn't gain the momentum that we kind of expected to. And even though, like, what the only small thing I try to do is try to get feminine products in the C40 bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, it's mind blowing. This is the kind of approach I took at, at work as a production engineer is I just tried to get what I could accomplish done. And even small things are difficult to get done. So that's, that's why I'm really recommending, you know, it's, it's great to take, if you can accomplish major change, that's great. I don't, maybe I'm not good at it, but um, even getting like little things done is really difficult and you just have to follow through and get it done. Yeah, more people did that. Yeah. This is a, a bit of a shameless plug, I guess, about this podcast, but I know some of the impetus behind even something like this was, I think it's really easy to talk about like meeting everyone at business school and getting to know everyone in such a small class, et cetera. And the reality is, is it's hard to do, especially now. So whatever small avenues you find. <laughs> yeah. It's just because of kind of the nature of how time flies here and how some of the coursework organizes itself. It makes it really easy. But I guess to that end, Randy, I'd love to learn a little bit more about kind of what surprised you about the Sloan experience as you reflect. Um, and that could be about the school or maybe even about yourself. One of the things that, and this is a little bit lighter note. I So full disclosure, I, I really felt like I was going to come to MIT and like meet my future SO. And like, I get really idealistic. And it, it's like Sloan was not a dating scene for, um, for me. I was surprised how much I'd forgotten since undergrad. Um, and I, I think like another point was there were a lot of people that were just like sure of their path. Like they wanted to come in. They were going to do these classes, be a consultant, go into this field. And where I was coming in, if you listened to early, earlier in the podcast, like I just like was kind of lost. I don't know. I, I wanted to come back to school and it, it felt like a good thing to do. Um, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. So that surprised me is there were so many people that their lives were just like put together and on track. And like this was another step in what they were doing. Are there any frustrations that you've seen through your experience at the school? Frustrating. Um, think on the positive end, and this is something that I always say when I answer this question is 
I, you will never have enough time to do the things that you want to do at Sloan. And uh, I felt like I didn't get to know people as well as I could have or, or get involved as many activities. And as an LGO, like I, I did, I thought I did a good job getting uh, meeting people at core, but those six months or it's, it's, it's more than six. It's like seven months, seven, eight months that you lose on internship. You come back and um, people are just, just things are different and it sucks on MIT side. I think the only frustrating thing, it's not the only frustrating thing, but if a frustrating thing is they, they'll send out these emails right about mental health and they'll be like, we care about your mental health. Go talk to the mental health department. There are things that happen in the program that make lives harder on people dealing with mental illness. I'm not sure that they consult with people that have this. It would be like me asking me an opinion on like, how do we make things more equitable for women at Sloan, right? A good example was when in the first year, I was, uh, I had a, a two finals on the same day, one Sloan, one engineering, and ne- neither side wanted to let me take take it on a different day. So I did. I mean, I had the one final at eight, and then I had one final at one, and the second one was the hardest test I've ever taken. Like, I almost walked out of the room. And then afterwards, I was just, like, so mentally exhausted because the two weeks prior, I was... Like I skipped every social event. Um, I was the only person not to show up at the LGO Christmas thing. Um, I was just like studying for this test so much. And when when you take that and and you're just like I have I know none of this. I'm gonna fail. And and they if you don't I don't know if people like shared, but chemical engineers if if you get a C in a class you don't get credit. So it's just like a wasted semester. Um, I had a finance final the next day and I, I remember ordering Roxy from the lounge and I woke up at, um, my now roommate, Aaron, Aaron walked in at like four in the morning in the lounge. I like woke up and studied a little bit and took the test and it was fine, but like, that's no way to live your life. And I did that just because I was so stressed and like, they could have made it easier on me. Just like, let me take, let me take a test on a different day. But, um, you know, whatever I, I got through it. I just, I don't get the point. I think sometimes I do think sometimes Sloan or MIT might treat graduate students like they're still undergraduates or like not adults. Like we're going to be, we're going to cheat or, um, I don't think that there's, and again, maybe I'm naive, but I don't think that there is anybody at here that like has the time or the inclination to to go through the effort of like cheating um, in terms of like sharing questions with other people after they take a test. Because I would have taken one test and I would started taking <laughs> studying for the other. Like I wouldn't have time to talk to anybody. My phone would have been off. Um, MIT takes itself too seriously sometimes. I think you're right in the sense of if I reflect on some of the finals that I've had and I haven't taken as many as the LGOs certainly, but 
even if I knew the questions to exams, I actually don't even think people would care enough to learn about them in advance. I think they'd just be like, I'm just going to go in and take it. Like, the incentives for cheating really don't exist to the same degree as they might have had in other parts of your schooling experience. And and on the engineering side, I am serious that these professors are like geniuses, right? They're at the top of their field. I wouldn't even know that I would begin to cheat on these tests. That's how good they are, right? <laughs> like, you, <laughs> they design them so well. Um, they, like, it's not something you can just, yeah, I, I think, I think they're okay um, in terms of honesty and academic integrity. MIT's done a good job with that. So just cool it a little bit, maybe. That should be the takeaway of that, that question. <laughs> just cool it a little bit. I guess one question for you, Randy, that given, given where you are now and what your headspace was when you applied to business school, would be curious what you would tell the, the Randy a few years ago who was applying to the LGO program the day before his GRE expired about what this experience was like, should he do it, what you would do differently? I would say it's not going to fill whatever hole you're trying to fill. It's not going to make you happier. Um, you're going to have a great experience. You're going to meet people that... Um, it's going to be a great experience, but it, you know, you need to start, you need to take care of yourself and you really need to take your own advice, which I knew at the time, which is, you know, don't idealize things so much. But I, I think that MIT was always this idealistic thing in my mind. And when you go into, when you go into something thinking like that, um, that, um, it's not good. And I think more importantly, one of the things that one of the definite feelings that you have when you're in your twenties is that you're invincible. And, um, that does unfortunately at a point break down. I, for me, it was end of December, uh, last year, but like it happens. And, um, when it happens, it's just like, you have to start, you have to start trying again because like you can't just fake it or or go past it anymore and I think that's what happened this past semester and but I just probably wasn't in a place when I when I applied to I was really useful to 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 the company I was working for I mean I I I was the only person on call I was the only engineer to answer to the plant for a year, more than a year from June, 2017 through May. So almost a year, June, 2017 through May, 2018, there was no on-call schedule. I just got calls no matter what, even though I asked for it. Right. And so I was just like, kind of, I, I think maybe that went to my head a little bit. That's not a good that's not a good position to be in. Um, But going into Sloan, yeah, I tell myself, like I I find these things, I do these things to try to like fill some gap or fill 
some emptiness. And I'm still searching for, I mean, at times it, it's, uh, this, this kind of stuff feels good. This is like why I like doing it. Cause this actually like feels like I'm, I like doing this, but I, I also feel like I struggle with if I've done like four years of undergrad in engineering and then two years here at MIT with Sloan, like what am I going to really just like go into social work or go into like activism, right? It's, that's a big career change, a big like personal step, so. But I also think just to give you some credit, that's a huge thing to acknowledge. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who came to business school, myself, including expecting some big pivot to happen at some point. And I think that acknowledgement that you were possibly running away from something or running towards something. And that's not, you don't change enough between 28 to 30 or whatever those ages are relative to 16 to 18. That's not how it works. (laughs) And I think that's like a really good thing for people to hear sometimes. And I, that resonated strongly with me. No, and I definitely was running away from something just like I ran away from something when I lived in India in in 2016. And it didn't, you have the same problems. Now you're just 2000 miles away. It takes work. And um, the work that I'm saying is, you know, if you're struggling through that, you need to put that as a priority and like really go see a psychiatrist, go to find therapy, make it a priority, find group therapy so that you have check-ins every week so that if you don't show up, people are like, where is this person, right? And I, I mean like therapy and not just friends that are, you know, drinking buddies that are like, oh, where's Randy? We don't know, right? It's like, no, this person should be here every week. Um, that, it works. Um, and it helps keep you from doing, from going from like a slip to like, you know, a full-blown, like, relapse. Thinking about the demands that are expect or placed upon the LGOs from both the coursework as well as the extended internship, are you able to talk about kind of the structures and routines that you set up for yourself to manage those? Ugh. I didn't have structures or routines to manage those, <laughs> one, and that was bad. I mean, I... um. I barely got by in numerical methods in, in fall. And my advice was, it's just, just like, or my strategy was to just do everything. I mean, I was always in front of the professor, always like working on this, studying it. And, um, and then I passed, which was great. And then on internship, I, um, I did everything. I, I, I was going between two sites. I was between Connecticut and Massachusetts. And I'm that's probably a problem on my end. Like I it, it's partly both like the program and it's me. I, I'm I'm willing to be flexible in a lot of ways. And I I didn't have the structure I guess I wish I would have, but that's why it's so important, I think, after somebody goes through that to like help so that somebody else doesn't have to go through that. And that's what I'm trying to do now is like say, hey, you know, this is what you should do. Um, 
And that it, that sort of gets into a little, at least with chemical engineering, like too much detail in, um, you know, my advice for LGOs doing that program. Whereas engineering and civic, civic engineering, or sorry, civil uh, mechanical might be a completely different experience. I, I don't know. I think going back, I wouldn't have wanted to be a chemical engineer, not because of the classes, the classes were great, more because of the job opportunities that have been presented. As a plan, my plans aren't good. My plans aren't, weren't sustainable, and that's part of the reason why I'm doing this. My plan was to delay and um, run away from things and then do things at the last second, knowing that my 70% is good enough to pass. Again, that's no way to live your life, right? That is the part that, you know, I still deal with and I still will deal with for a long time. It's harder at MIT, though, because, again, at work, you can't really fake it. You can't come in and, I mean, people know. It's Sloan, especially now, I could... Yeah, I mean, you could get all your work done and kind of 60% it, half-assed things, and you're not really responsible to anybody but yourself if you're not dating anybody, if you don't have children. So that's what makes quarantine, I think, very difficult for people that are in that situation. Do you have any coping suggestions or thoughts I know we've talked about a little bit about this before, but what you could share with fellow Sloanies who probably are experiencing some form of anxiety, frustration, um, definitely mental health challenges during this time. The thing that helps me is um, group therapy. And, and I would go outside of um, MIT for this. Uh, you know, you can go to um, um, Reddit, and for whatever particular, um, you know, whether it be depre- depression or bipolar or um, alcohol, um, you can go to these sites and, and, and a lot of them will have like Zoom meetings like this. And um, you just start making connections and have people to touch in with every week. And there's no shame in that. I, I say the reason I go to that first is because like the typical thing is like, oh, go exercise or like you know, pick up a new hobby. And I've done that for like the last 10 years. And eventually like it just runs out. Like I, I've run and lifted for the last decade and I've cooked so many different things. I've picked up so many hobbies like that. Eventually like there's nothing to fill that hole other than it's, it feels good to talk, talk to other people about it that are going through the same thing. And you, quite frankly, won't find a a lot of that at MIT. And maybe that's some of the reason I'm doing it. I I wish there was, I can't imagine out of three, 400 people, well, sorry, 600 people that there's not people that at least 10 or 15 that go through the same thing, but we have no mechanism to kind of all get together and talk at least. It, It works, especially in terms of harm reduction. I mean, if you're if you're meeting with a group once a week and you're showing up and you're you're not um, you know in bed or laying around um, 
that's going to help you. I mean, that, that works like committing to that, just like a class um, and doing it every single week or even multiple times a week. Um, I think that's really helped for me. And you start to have a purpose too, because then there are also, it's not just about you. There also becomes other people in that group that eventually fall. And then you kind of have a purpose to like help them too. And that's really rewarding. I think a lot of us are going through that now, uh, either being alone in our apartment or house, being able to see friends and family, basically just being unable to connect with other people. It's really easy to fall into a mental pit. And so that's why I found it really helpful to lean on and reach out to as many people as you can during this time. One other question I had, maybe just more lighthearted, you said this was supposed to be like your fun semester and you have three months left. Would love to hear what you're thinking about to keep it fun and exciting given business school came to kind of an abrupt halt. (laughs) Well, I was thinking the other day and um, mind you, I was like completely so it was like I was like four in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And we have this like hook in our kitchen where I can hang my like a speaker. And then like I was thinking of taking like my bicycle, um, you know, those flashers, like they flash. And I was thinking of kind of having like a Zoom like party where I could just like dance and like, <laughs> play like a remix. Like a, I, my, uh, my roommate uh, ABB got me into this like two friends remix. I like really like it. Um, and then, so that's what I was thinking about on, uh, on Tuesday morning at (laughs) four in the morning (laughs) and, uh, so I want, okay, I want to do that. I just, I like having these zoom, like zoom get togethers and like happy hours and I don't know. It's a real bummer. It like, in some ways it's good because I'm getting structure in my life and I'm, exercising and eating well but um in some ways like I really wanted to go to BVI really I had a bunch of other trips planned not just necessarily with Sloan just to see uh people outside of Sloan and I think you just make the best of every day that is where I will say like do new hobbies I don't know go cook I'm gonna try to cut my own hair what are you guys gonna do well, TikToks are big in my home right now, as you probably know. <laughs> I um, participated in my first one yesterday, um, but I'm doing a lot of similar things to you. Puzzling a lot more than I've ever puzzled, baked a lot more than, that's not true, baking on par with how much I bake historically. But pretty much like you, one day at a time. I think I've been, this time has kind of forced me to do the things that or rather taking away the excuse of I don't have enough time for some of the things that I've always wanted to do. So a lot of the school activities that I'm involved with have ramped up a lot this month. And I've been very thankful for that because, you know, one of that involves speaking with so many different people that I otherwise wouldn't have had the chance to get to know, even if it's for like a small window of time. I've been very appreciative of that. Um, through another group I get to write and put on productions and I've always wanted to 
I've loved theater and I've always wanted to try and write something um, and work with people in a very non-businessy way. So I've loved that. Yeah, it's weird. We we don't get the conclusion that we had probably all envisioned for. Yeah. Yeah, it's a new, it's different. Yeah, I get in in some weird way, like for me, this is just, yeah, it's actually kind of comfortable. I kind of like it. I'm like weird in that way, but. um, I think you'll find that you have a lot of people who agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like isolating myself and that's not healthy, but it, but it's not isolate. It wasn't like how it was in India where like you could barely talk to people for 10 minutes. Like I can get on a zoom call and talk to everyone's going through the same thing. Before then I would have like a 10 minute call and eight in the morning and then people were going to bed. Um, I was just alone. Maybe with that perspective, are there words of wisdom that you would like to leave the enraptured Sloanies with? Words of wisdom. I mean, I always think be memorable is a great one. That was one of my goals. And I think take care of yourself. Uh, Really? I mean, these aren't just like, not just saying these lightly. Um, Do you have any tips maybe more specifically on what you do to practice self-care? Sounds very um, generic, but what you do to take care of yourself. No, I mean, the the first and foremost for me, like what I'm going through, I think you have to, it's something that you might have to fight every day. Like you get up, um, you maybe, and I know we didn't get to talk a lot about the details here, but you get up, you, you fight some, like, maybe, maybe you dream something and you're doing everything right. You, you ate right. You slept eight hours, you exercise, you did everything that WikiHow tells you. And then you still had a dream about like, um, like a trigger or flashback. So you wake up and you're like, you know, why, why even try today? And it's just like, you have to just keep committing yourself and it's hard. Um, so I, I, as stupid as it sounds for what works for me, I keep talking about those lists. Like sometimes those lists will say like, get a shower, brush your teeth. And like, if you do that and like cross it off, like backspace, cross it off. Like it feels good. Like, Oh, I got a shower today. I got dressed today. Um, and then you start like you, you start building momentum and I don't know if there's some physiological thing behind that, but that seems to work for me. Um, and that's, that's just day to day. Like other than like, you need to have a support network. You need to have people every week that you can check in with. And it's not just friends. I mean, your friends, are, you need to have friends. <laughs> that's a good thing. If you are struggling, you should have some formal check in with a group every week. Um, that's a little bit more clinical than just, Hey, like, how's Randy doing? Right. And um, if you do those two, if you prioritize those things, like, that will help get you on track. But it is so easy to just stop trying. And I think that's, that's what I had done for not all of three years, not all of the past three years, but for a good part of it, I just was like, you know, I, I've been feeling like this since I was 19 and I'm 26 and 
I remember driving in Houston. I was like, I was at a red light near my, near my apartment. And I was just like, man, I just like, don't want to feel like this for the rest of my life. Like, I'm just going to have to deal with it. And that sucks. And you just eventually stop trying. And that's where things can get bad. And I don't, I don't blame people if they stop trying. Like I, and there are days that I might not try, but my advice is if you want to keep trying, like you have to, and there's no other, there's no like perfect solution. It's just whatever works for you. One of the things that I know you and I had talked about was wanting to be a voice and a resource for people that don't have an avenue to communicate or support system yet. And I was wondering if you could use this opportunity to maybe speak to whoever those folks might be and um, just share any perspectives you might have on how to go about reaching out and getting help. I know people aren't going to see this, but I wrote up this whole thing of like, and I, I didn't get to talk a, a lot about the specifics, which is probably good because I can never share at times. But if people are like struggling with depression, struggling with uh, bipolar, struggling with um, addiction, um, you know, I, I think. I have some good stories to share and I love talking about it. I think it, it like, that's like one of my favorite to meet a person and, and then have them open up to me. It happens so much. And I love that. Um, I know people that I'm thinking of that, that have already. And all I can say is like, if you want to talk about some of the things that happened, like why, like why I am, I, and I, there's a friend in Houston. She was like, oh, you're fine. Like everybody, everybody's like, everybody goes through like this down or like this. And I told her, I was like, okay, if I, if I told you everything that happened to me, like you would not be saying that because I've been there. Um, or I guess what I can tell people is like, if they want to reach out and like talk to me, um, personally, I love doing that. And, um, I can share things that are just like more specific stories, some funny, some not. And um, like, that's just like the life of like dealing with this kind of thing. And it's, it's in some ways it's cool. Cause it's like chaotic. Like you never know what the next day is going to bring you actually in a lot of ways. It's not cool, but <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I would, I always love, the reason I did this is for anybody that's struggling with that. I have some resources I can share. I have some advice. Um, I can share stories. Even I, in my like trying, trying to like dream, I just wish there was a group at Sloan where you could just like talk about these things and share like things that have happened. And I think it would help a lot. I think it would help people control how bad their lows get um maybe how it would help them keep them more stable i think that's a real gap like in in our country we we require a lot of training for therapy and and that's a good thing but that makes it very inaccessible to a lot of people and um 
you wouldn't believe it. I'm telling you, it's hard for me, even at MIT, as like a white privileged student to find therapy and psychiatry and like follow a strict schedule here. It was harder in Houston. Like I had to drive an hour in Houston and leave work. I can't imagine that, you know, they're single mother or they don't have insurance, like thinking the same things I am probably even worse because they don't have medication and it's hard to, it's hard to explain. I don't know. Hopefully. Yeah. I I guess to wrap up that long winded response is I want people to reach out. I mean, that's why I did this and uh, they should feel comfortable with that because I know that there's not a lot of resources to, um, to do that. And they may not feel comfortable doing that with people. It's, it's hard. The backlog to get seen by MIT mental health when I got here was two months. And so you have to imagine I'm moving from Houston and leaving my job into a new city where I have no support network other than all of the friends that I'm meeting for the first time. And there's a lot of partying, but there's also a lot of stress and and homework and new things that I haven't dealt with in a while. And that can cause it to you to have an unstable life during those times. It's, it, it can be crazy. First semester can be hectic for a lot of us. Yeah. Well, I guess to that end, this might be the conclusion. So thank you for taking the time to share your story and your perspective, certainly. Yeah, I was happy to do it. Before we go, we want to take this opportunity to thank Randy for sharing his stories and his experiences, the good and the not so good. Many of our peers and friends face mental health challenges and anxiety, and we want to emphasize that there are many resources available to you within the MIT community and beyond. I know Randy especially mentioned that he wanted to do this podcast to let people know that they have someone to talk to in case they need it. To add on to what Ananya had just said, so uh, the Graduate Student Advisory Board um, let us know it was at the beginning of the month that next September, or starting in September 2020, uh, coverage is changing for mental health care. You're going to get 52 fully covered sessions per year uh, with a $5 copay every session after the 52nd. Um, there will also be additional staff to help with the referral process and expansions in trans-inclusive healthcare benefits. So that's uh, kudos to MIT. That's a real mental health awareness. That's a real mental health program. So um, just wanted to say that. Thanks. Thanks, Randy. That's awesome to hear. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Elena and I are hoping to keep this podcast running for the summer, even though we're almost officially graduates. We're both trying to hold on to our Sloan experience for as long as we can. If you would like to participate, don't hesitate to reach out to either of us. We're also open to feedback, ideas for topics, and anything else that might be on your mind. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.